No, we have Brother Tim Williams with us today, and he's uh, near our hearts, and most of you, uh, most of you know him that have been here for a while. He grew up in Yoakum area and has been a Christian ministry, been in Christian ministry since 1982, with 27 of those years serving as a senior pastor. He currently serves as director of church relations, connecting churches with South Texas Children's Home Ministries, which we call Stitch, and finding ways we can minister to their needs. He is also he also leads Stitch Ministers Ministries Pastor Care Ministry. Tim is a graduate of both Texas A&M University and Southwestern uh, Baptist Theological Seminary, where he earned a Master of Divinity degree. He served previously as a Stitch Ministries board member and as a senior pastor at the First Baptist Church in Kennedy, Texas. Tim and Judith were married in 1984. Judith serves as a family therapist with Stitch Ministries Family Counseling in Victoria. They have two grown daughters, Kelly, who is married to Chris, and Meredith, who is married to Zachary. In their free time, Tim and Judith enjoy working in the yard together and spending time with their grandsons, Caleb and Luke, and the rest of the family. Why don't we welcome Tim? Well, good morning. It is good to be back in Kennedy and to be with you today and to thank all of you for uh, the prayers and the help and to just say, you know, it, it's good to be at home. We have several homes as we go through life. This is, this is one of ours, and it always will be. It's good to see familiar faces. Some of you have not changed at all. Say what you will about Kennedy Water, but I think, I think there's something there. Uh, because I, I go to other places and back home, and it's not the same case. Uh, so it's good to see you. Some of you have just flat grown up. I don't know how you did that. But then I am reminded that it was 30 years ago that I came here and 20 years ago that I left uh, to go to Victoria. So uh, that's the time frame for those of you who are younger that we're talking about and and. For those of you who are saying, okay, when was that? Well, that, that's just kind of roughly where that is. Let, let me just uh, say thank you and, and ask you if you would. Look, we're going to read the scripture today and, and then have a word of prayer. Then we're going to send the kids out to, to kingdom kids. But in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to keep your, your Bibles marked to that place. Come back. We'll come back to it very often through this time together. But Paul writes, To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassingly great revelations, things that he had been given that nobody else had been given that he couldn't even write down. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect 
in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God, we pray you'll bless the reading of your word today. You'll bless this place as you have through the years, these people who gather here and these kids who are growing up here. We thank you, Father, for what we see from generation to generation of your faithfulness and of your goodness to us. And we pray that today would be another building block in all that you're doing to build us into your body, into a holy place that you use to reach the world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Kingdom Kids, if y'all will follow Rosemary, that's uh, ages 4 through 2nd grade. Some of you who may act like a kid today, you can go with them as well. Uh, But we are glad to have these guys going. They're going to go over to the first floor of the education building, which I did a self-tour of today. It is amazing. It is really remarkable. I, I appreciate the effort and the work that you have put into that to make that a place that's going to be used for generations of kids to come. And it was not just good to see it all renewed as it needed to be, but also to see so many new faces in that and so many kids there. Uh, That's a wonderful blessing to have that not every church is experiencing right now. So God bless you in that. Uh, Let me take a few moments personally uh, to kind of follow up because this is going to save us all a lot of time if, if you were here 20 years ago, uh, because what you really want to know is, well, how are Judith, how are the kids? And, and let me kind of give you an update on that. Yes, Kelly, as she puts it, uh, married into the family business. She married a minister, and he is a junior high pastor at a big church in Katy, Kingsland Baptist Church. They have Caleb and, and Luke, and uh, the line will start here after the service to see cute pictures of my grandkids. Uh, <laughs> And, and they're doing great. Uh, Luke is uh, one year old and Caleb is four years old. Meredith just got married in October. And, and she married a, a guy, and I, I'm, I'm saying this kind of as a prayer request. They should be landing right now at the country where they live in in the Middle East. Uh, they, they have kind of been brought together as, as a couple because they really want to do work overseas, but in a places where missionaries can't go. So he is a civil engineer, and he works for a company that builds airports. So he is at a large country in the Middle East that is building an airport. Uh, Meredith is just about to start a new work through the American school in that city, working with uh, a young man who has some special needs and working with him in the school. Uh, she's a school teacher at heart, has always wanted to teach overseas and has at many different places. But you can pray for them because they, they probably just landed after about 40 hours of traveling uh, to get back to their new home and to start things as uh, God has brought them to this, this new place and this new work uh, that he has. Uh, my wife was going to be here today, but my wife's sister just moved to Victoria yesterday. And as you know, things on a move day don't go as planned, and there's still a lot of stuff going on.
the day that she needed to stay and help for, but she will be back. She is a licensed professional counselor in uh, Victoria for Stitch Ministries. And, and so let me just take a moment to tell you just a little bit about something new. I'm going to try to be bringing something new each time I come uh, to tell you a little bit about what's going on. But Stitch Ministries has a new logo and, and, and sort of a new way of presenting things. Through the years, I've, I've tried to do that with churches that are new to us or uh, don't have a relationship in the past. And it's really hard to tell people about nine ministries and a lot of things. So we're trying to condense that and get to the heart of what we do and plus to remind ourselves of something that we need to be a part of. So you see the, the triangle there, and there's three key things that, that God has enabled us to be a part of his work in. And that's to heal hurting hearts and hurting people in families and in children, and, and to restore broken lives in, in our counseling and through faith and finances and through other things, and then to transform, just to see God transform his people and, and, and people that we encounter through all of that. Pray for us in that. Uh, I'll, I'll be sharing some more about that with you, but just know that that's our new logo, and, and that's what you'll be seeing more of as, as you deal with Stitch Ministries and as we walk together in that, let me just say thank you as a church for your partnership in ministry, for the years that you have contributed above and beyond the, the cooperative program and, and the many things you have helped us to do both here and internationally. There is not a church like you who does the type of work internationally that we can count on, that we can rely on, that, that does and has built those relationships in such a strong way. So thank you for being a church that is mission-minded, that has that at its heart and its soul. And it's good to see that that, that has just grown since the time I have been here. And, and I've, I've seen, and just standing over there, it has warmed my heart to see God is still continuing to move in new ways here. And, and we need to follow. And, and that's what he's going to do. That's how he's going to bless. Now, what I'm going to do with you today it is a little bit testimony, probably more testimony than you may want. Uh, but this is, this is a place where people, a lot of people know me, and, and I've had experiences with many of you through the years. And because some of what I'm about to share with you began right here, 30 years ago. See, I had a disease. I have a disease that really began... 30 years ago, after I got through putting lights up over at the Parsonage at Christmas, my first year here, and I put some lights down the sidewalk on either side in the grass, and, and I tried to stand up, and, and I couldn't. And then after a little while, I could, and then it kind of loosened up. And then I began to have more and more back issues. And many of you prayed about those during those years. And it would come, it would go, and it's kind of, well, you're just getting older. Those kind of things happen. And, and I remember going to a, a specialist in San Antonio, and he said, yeah, you, you've got something in your lower back. I can't really tell what this is. I don't want to know what it is, but you've really got something up here in your neck. And, and that's really the pressing thing, and, and it really was painful then. So we went through some physical therapy, and, and God just healed that, took care of that. And I've never had any more problems with that. But the lower back was just always an issue. And, and no, I'm not just going to be this litany of old man health problems, okay? But it's going to bear with me for just a minute. 
if, if you fast forward to about four years ago and this back problem keeps coming in and out and I'm having other issues, other issues that the doctors can't figure out, what, I don't know why this is the way it is. Uh, and, and, and so they would send me to different ones. And, and, and finally, uh, I had kind of this break in things. Okay, something's really not right here. Four years ago, when my first grandson was being born, I was loading up the car to go. And something just hit me and came over me. And I became violently ill. And it turned out that I had a blockage in my intestine down low. And I went into the hospital and I had to send my uh, wife on to be with my daughter and, and, and that birth and missed that whole thing. Uh, and the doctor said, okay, when did you have abdominal surgery? I've, I've never had abdominal surgery. He said, well, this kind of thing, we've never seen this kind of thing happen unless somebody's got scar tissue from an abdominal surgery. You, you had to have something. No, any kind of injury. No. And so we went through that for a while. And so I spent... Uh, five, six days in the hospital with a tube down my nose, not eating or drinking anything, and, and to just try to get over that. And, and I did, and they said, okay, we don't know what's going on. This is something strange. And, and the symptoms that I had in other places began to get worse. And finally, after many uh, experiences with medical people, uh, I was diagnosed with Tarlov cysts. Now, that may sound like, okay, that's kind of leading to cancer. No, it's not, and it's a weird thing. In fact, I am probably the only person you will ever meet statistically that has this. It is, it is just extremely rare, and that's why the doctors couldn't figure out what it was until finally somebody said, okay, you've got these cysts. What is it? It is spinal fluid leaking out of your spine into the nerve roots that come out of your spine and it's growing, and it's filling like a balloon, and it's pressing in on those nerves and then other nerves around it so that things are not working right in your digestive system, things are painful in your lower extremities, you're having problems. Some of you remember started having foot problems when I was here, and my left foot in particular, and even ended up in a in a surgery in Victoria, and it kind of worked, but no, not really. And the doctor said, I've never seen this. Don't know what's going on. It turns out all of those things come from this strange disease. Now, I'll just fast forward and say I, I had a surgery on that in August, and it has changed my life drastically. But here's where we get back to the scripture and where we begin to weave this in together and talk about the opportunities in your pain. One day as I was going through this and having been turned down by a couple of specialists saying, okay, yeah, you got this, but we don't know what to do with it. We, we can't treat it. We don't treat it. Maybe we can treat you for this other thing, and we just didn't feel like that was really it. I, I read this passage, and it just exploded to me. And, and things that I'd struggled with and prayed about and longed for answers about, it just all kind of began to come together. And I'm not saying a, a couple of things. Hear me on this. I'm, I'm not saying that I have this down. All I'm saying is, okay, I figured out the path I'm on. I'm not there yet. I've not arrived in any of these things. But I figured out some things that God was showing me. And I'm not saying that what I had is anywhere near as serious as what some of you have had or what some of you are dealing with. 
This was never life-threatening. It was just aggravating and painful. This was just something confusing and frustrating. But in that, God showed me some key things about this. Now, I won't try to tell you all that, that this passage means to me today because we could be here all day. But I just want to bring out two things that are opportunities in our pain for God to do a work like he's never done before in our lives. And those two areas are in prayer and in power. So in the process of dealing with pain and our prayer in it, God has a great opportunity to show us new things and teach us new things. And in that process of dealing with pain, even weakening and not being able to do what we had once been able to do and knowing that, you know, this looks like it's going to keep getting worse, there is opportunity to know his strength, a power that we have not and I had not experienced in other places. So let's just talk about that for a moment, and, and let's go over that for a little bit. Paul talks about he was given this to keep him from becoming conceited. Did you catch that? Paul is saying, I have a problem. I, I could become conceited because God has shown me things God's never shown anybody. But to keep me on a level with everybody else and to let me and everybody else know I'm just like everybody else, I was given this thorn in the flesh. Now, what is this? We don't know. Nobody knows what this was. It is good that he did not specifically describe it. Because if he'd said, uh, you know, this is sinus trouble, uh, everybody who had sinus trouble would say, oh, I have what Paul had. And, and it would be something elevated. Uh, or if I had problems with my eyesight or problems with something else. And some people say, well, it's not really a physical thing. It was all the persecution he was going through for Christ. There's a lot of different ways. I, if it comes down to it, I see so much in here about dealing with physical things that I can't help but think when he said a thorn in the flesh, not my spirit, not my mind, not my heart, a thorn in my flesh, that it really was something physical that limited him in his work in the gospel and kept him, though, from becoming conceited. So he'd already seen some things about that in this process. But here's where I want you to see. Three times I pleaded that it would go away. Now, here's this process in prayer and the opportunities in it. It's not three days I did this or three prayers I did this. This is seasons of time where he prayed this would go away because it was preventing him from doing what he wanted to do. It was frustrating him in the work of the gospel. And, and, and he even said, this is like a messenger from Satan. But God had a plan in it. God had a way in it. In those three seasons he did what we do. We pray these things will just go away. We pray for a miraculous thing, or we just pray that it would disappear, or we pray for something that would be an answer to that. And Paul said it didn't happen until after that third season, he got this word from God. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, that's something we need to mark down. We don't earn this. We don't achieve this. We don't have enough faith or enough prayer or enough works to get to this. This is something that comes to us by his grace. My grace is sufficient for you. Because the power that I want to use in your life doesn't come from you. And it comes in your weakness. Now, Paul would never have known that had he not been praying about that, praying deeply. If he'd given up, if he'd walked away and said, well, I guess God's just not going to answer that prayer, then he would not have seen how all of this works and 
has come together and and put this together so that we can see it. Here, here's the thing. If you're going through some sort of pain, whether it's physical, emotional, r- relational, financial, whatever it be. Is that prayer driving you to God or away from God? Is it drawing you in or are you giving up and going away? See, that's, that's the opportunity in pain. We can't just stay the same. We've got to find a way. And God provides a way. Now, that way can be his way or our own way. And his way, yes, sometimes is a miraculous thing. And then his way sometimes is, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to leave this here, but my power is going to be made perfect, whole, complete, lacking nothing in your weakness so that everybody can see it and you can share it and you can talk about it. And that's what Paul is saying here. Now, I remember being very defeated after talking to these two specialists coming back home and, and being told, basically, you've got to learn to live with this. There's nothing that can be done in this. Nobody knows what to do with these things. Uh, big name uh, neurosurgeon in Houston said, I, you know, I did one surgery on this. It doesn't do anything thing good. It, it always comes back. Everybody I've talked to, so you just need to go home and live with it. And, and that was very discouraging, though it was not anything life-threatening. Uh, because he said, yeah, it's going to keep getting worse. And so you just have to keep adjusting in life. I, I, I shared this with uh, a medical person who is a friend. And, and they, they solve problems. It's a physical therapist. And they said, you know what? Let me look at your records and let me just do some work on this. And then they came back to me and said, the, these cysts are really the problem." And more than that, I found there's three doctors in the United States that treat this. Now, it's so rare, there's only three. One is in Maryland. One is out in California. And it turned out one is in Dallas, 10 minutes from where my youngest daughter lived at the time. And you look into what he says, and he's come up with this surgery that he does on this thing that wasn't available several years ago, but it's available now. And... He's done over 2,000 of them. He operates on people from all over the world. And he's done 2,000 of these and it's never come back. And that was the surgery I had. And and God is blessed in great ways. And so God just kind of, when I gave up in, in my weakness, God provided ways and provided people and provided things. Was this what I'd asked for? No, but it was the answer to prayer. And that's what I want to say. 30 years ago, some of you in a prayer meeting or in Sunday school or just in in normal course of life probably prayed for me on some of these things. Those were kind of innocuous. Yeah, we need to pray for our pastor. He's got this problem. There's this pain. Oh, and, and it kind of continues. And now there's a foot thing. God heard those and never forgot. Never forgot. And 20 years later, I see the answer. Now, what can I tell you about this? There are a lot of things you have prayed about and maybe given up on and maybe drawn away from God on. Don't give up. Persist. That's where we really find who we are and who God is. 
That's the opportunity in this is to learn God in new ways. And just to say to you, thank you for being faithful. That 30 years ago, some of you prayed for me. And I can tell you, God answered. And God's working. And, and yeah, I'm never going to run a marathon. But I will be able to put out Christmas lights on the ground. And, and that's something that we can rejoice in because God does hear our prayers. And God does respond to those. So don't give up. Don't quit. Whatever the pain is, let that lead you to God. Now, what is this other thing, this power that we're talking about? Because this is kind of weird. This almost sounds like Paul is saying, I enjoy pain. No, he's not saying that. He says that God told him that it, God's power would be made perfect in his weakness. So he learned to delight, or he learned to boast. Or I like the way the old English scholar put this. Uh, J.B. Phillips said... In kind of an English way of putting it, I cheerfully have changed my mind about this, to see it this way. That God has a great opportunity for me to experience his power in my pain. And that I have learned when it comes to look for him, to look for what he's going to do. To look for how he is going to make this work and bring this about. And that change of perspective came in his life when he heard God say that my power is made perfect in weakness. And then he says, and he changes that perspective to this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, now here's the place he had to come to, that we have to come to for that to work in our lives, is we have to admit our weakness. <coughs> We have to admit we don't have it all together. We have to admit that, okay, people have prayed on this, we've prayed on this, I've sought, and nothing has happened, and, and I, I struggle with this. And, and there is this weakness in my life. Remember what Paul said at the very beginning? I realized I could become conceited. And, and God is using all this, this pain in a physical, temporary world to keep it from leading to something worse and something that's eternal. And that's what he does often in our lives, to redirect us and show us and make us more dependent upon him. And yet finding power in this weakness that we have, this change of perspective. Now, let, let me say what he says. He says this only happens in your weakness. God's not looking for strong people to make stronger and to be first round draft picks or Nobel Prize winners, though he does that at times with people. What he's looking for is the broken people who are willing to say, I am broken, I am weak, and I am hopeless without you. But I believe you can do something. Maybe something I don't even know how to ask, something I've never seen. But I believe that you have a way. And he does. And I can understand now more what Paul says, I boast about this weakness, that the power of Christ may rest in me when I am weak. That's where I really experience this strength of his in a new way I could have never done in any other way. Now, how do we do that? 
How does that come about? It is this change in perspective on this, this learning to grow, not, not trying to enjoy my pain, but to look into my pain and say, God has an opportunity. I'm going to look for what he's going to do in this, even if I have to wait. And that's where Paul found this great ability. When I'm weak, that's when I'm really strong in his power. Let me give you a picture of how this works. Luke 24 records how there were two disciples going home after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection in Jerusalem. And they're going home to a small town named Emmaus. Jesus dealt with people in small towns. And he still does. And the resurrected Lord at the late time in the day, in a way that they could not and did not recognize him, walks along with them and just asks, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they said, the stuff that just happened in Jerusalem. And Jesus, maybe with a little bit of a smile, said, what things? And they stop and look at him. Scripture says they just stop and look at him like, I, I know Wi-Fi is bad out here, but you don't know? You haven't seen? Have you been living under a rock? Jesus, the, the, the prophet we had hoped for that was coming to, to change and, and to bring back the kingdom. And, and our rulers crucified him. And then this morning, we heard these women who went to the tomb and said, it's empty. And, and they said they saw him. And we don't understand this. And they were heartbroken. And Jesus just began to talk with them and explain to them from the scripture, still unrecognized to them, about how the Messiah had to come and do this. And and he, he concludes his talk to them by saying this, Did not the Christ have to suffer and enter into his glory? Did not the Christ have to suffer and enter into his glory? Now they're about to go on and go exit and get off at Emmaus and Jesus is going to keep going on and they still don't recognize him but but they invite him home and said come and eat with us it's it's evening time you don't need to be traveling at night and so they come and and he does something unusual when they set the food before him he breaks the bread and prays over it like the host usually would do and at that moment they recognize him could it be they saw the scars The scars, the signs of his suffering for them. And as soon as they recognized him, he was gone. And they hurried back into Jerusalem. And they had a whole different perspective on their life and on their problems and on their pain. Now what had happened in in this story and is happening in some way in our lives is they had walked along with the risen Lord who had finished the work to solve their problem, to redeem their pain, to settle their, their minds and their hearts and their guts, and to bring them to a place of new perspective on the power of God in life. But they didn't realize it. He had already done it, but they didn't recognize it. Now, that's where we are. See, the Christ did come, and he did suffer, and he did pay a price in his pain that we could never pay. By our pain. To deliver us from our sin and our waywardness and and our selfishness 
and, and to bring us back to Him. And He paid a price so that we would never know the greatest pain of being eternally separated from God. He paid a price so we would not have to face that pain. And the work that has, needs to be done to redeem our pain, to give purpose to our pain, to show us what God is doing in our pain, has been finished. He accomplished it. He did it. It's done. So what does that mean for you? Whatever you're going through, whatever your pain is, and it can apply to anything, not just physical things, but yes, physical things, emotional things, mental things, relational things, financial things. He's paid the price. He's redeemed it. He's done what needed to be done to fix it. We just haven't seen it yet. When we talk about the finished work of Jesus Christ, that's what we're talking about. He's done it. He's paid the price. And someday we're going to see how all of this works and fits together. Now, biblically, what can we say to kind of wrap this all up? Something Peter said in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. 1 Peter 5, verse 10, he says this. As he's talking about Christians who are suffering persecution, but it applies to everything and all of our troubles. It applies mainly to suffering because that's what he says. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 10, And after you have suffered a little while, it's temporary, it's not going to last for a little while, the God of all grace has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. He himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Did you catch that? The one who suffered for you, after you've suffered a little while, is going to change and turn that around. In every single one of our lives, in every single pain that we are facing, in every single pain we have gone through and we're still looking for answers for, He has a way through and He has a purpose for. And someday we're going to see how He redeemed even that for His glory. So that we would see Him in a new light. So that we would realize, I had strength I didn't realize was His. But we glory in the places where we see He has given me a strength not my own. And that's what He offers to us today. That's the opportunity in this. In all of this, I I kept being drawn to a statement that Dr. Jim Dennison said. that, That kind of wraps all of this up. God redeems all He allows. God redeems all that he allows. There are things he allows that we do not understand. Losses that we have gone through, we don't understand. Things we're facing, we don't understand. But God redeems it through Jesus Christ. In fact, that work's been done. The consequences and the work of it and the way of it is something he's still revealing. And that's the path he's put before me and the path he puts before you. Now, what do you do with that today? You come, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this this does not apply unless you have a personal relationship with Him, unless you've given up on yourself, unless you realize your weakness is sinfulness in your life, and you can't fix that. You can't pay for that. You can't get over that. And you need Him to do a work in you that you cannot do, and that's what He wants to do. If you know Him, 
It is seeing this path more clearly, understanding his ways in a greater way, and knowing that he is redeeming all that you have lost, fixing all that is broken about you, putting together what has fallen apart, and preparing a way for you. Yeah, someday there'll be something that hits me, and, and if Jesus tarries and doesn't come back, yes, I will not get over it in this world. But I will have a healing that is eternal and glorious. And that's what he offers you, but only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the place we have to come to today to get to him with, to deal with him on, to let him redeem all that he has allowed. God, we come to you today and we are grateful for your blessing, your power that is made perfect in our weakness We come today to admit we are weak. And it is a weakness we can't fix or get stronger in or do something about. But it is something Jesus has already done. All there needs to be done about. And we can find his power made perfect in our weakness. In our struggle with sin, in our struggle with relationships, in our struggle with pain, in our struggle with problems, our struggle with ourselves and others. You have a way of redeeming that. And we pray today we would come to the place of letting you do that work in our lives, of following you as you lead us in a new path, in a new way to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, is a time where we're going to go into a time where we look at how do we respond to God. And that's our challenge today. How do you respond to God after you have heard this, seen this? What do you need to do? I'm going to be up front to help you, pray with you if there is a need, or maybe there is just something you need to settle with God where you are. But in this moment, let's do business with God before we go. Let's stand. Let's sing.